Welcome back to the cheapest therapy session in town. Thank you very much to Paul Ricci for that review of Red Tinted Glasses, but maybe not so much therapy this weekend, Callum, because finally, positive podcasting is about to take place. We have a win to speak about. I am still delighted, still on top of the world. And I was just saying to you before we started uh, recording, thank goodness it's a win because uh, with a two-week break and then Celtic on the horizon after, it would not have I would not have been happy for the duration of that time. So thank goodness we ended that little barren run. We finally won a game. And uh, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm very happy, Glenn. How are you doing? Yeah, absolutely delighted. For once, I was actually springing my step going into work on a Monday um, because you knew that you weren't going to take a ribbing off any of those plastic Rangers fans that might be in your workplace or anyone that's suddenly taken an interest in our demise um, in recent weeks. But the feel-good factor continues, Callum, because we've got an exciting raffle um, on this week's show. Um, we'll keep it open until um, the Friday before the Celtic game. So you've got um, this week and next to enter it. We have some seats on our table at the Player of the Year event to raffle off. Um, hopefully, if we get enough interest, this will be open to two people to join us at the Player of the Year event at Teca um, with proceeds, um, any remaining proceeds being donated to our local charity. More information on that um, when we get the numbers up. But if you are interested, um, it will be £20 a ticket and you can email podcast at gmail.com for further information or check out our Twitter page um, at RTG underscore podcast where we'll put up a post um, with all that information there for you as well. So a little exciting um, raffle, Callum, and I think the time is right to get that one out now on the back of a win. I think so. I can't imagine there would be any rush uh, for neither buyers nor uh, uh, interest had we not have won that uh, that that game against Motherwell. However, uh, if you need any extra uh, motivation as well as you know a good cause, getting to go to the event, you'll probably see me uh, dressed up in a suit, which will be a sight to behold. I'm sure I don't even own one, so you know maybe a bit of added motivation there for you. Yeah, exactly. And we all know Aberdeenians love a cheap night. Um, a £20 entry into the raffle versus 184 of the seat is a good bargain and obviously helping out a good local cause as well. But on to the football. And Barry Robson in his post-match press conference, Callum, said that that felt like a proper Aberdeen team. And it's hard to disagree because it did, especially coming away from that game, mm-hmm. buoyed by the performance to an extent we could kind of see a little bit of identity but as we said we've got three points to talk about as well always makes life a little bit easier absolutely i mean that is definitely the main thing but i left pathology for the first time in a in a, in a fair while uh absolutely chuffed as I said that's not that's not dwindled as of yet but uh, still plenty of time mind you before the Celtic game uh, for, for, for that to happen but no, I was very happy. I mean, Brian Robson's uh, post-match interviews and pre-match interviews, in fact, have been uh, interesting to say the least, but I did like that particular quote as well. And I, you felt that sort of buzz around the, around the ground once we started getting going a little bit. And obviously, eventually, once we got the, the breakthrough, thought Redshed throughout were brilliant. And then South Stand joining in. There was actual cohesion uh, at times. It was fantastic. What's not to love? Yeah, I know. Barry Robson doesn't really interview well, but 
he gets it and he comes across well. You know, he's again maybe similar to previous managers, has the right sound bites, but um, crucial three points as well. You know, I quite liked his comments about Steve Agnew picking up on the atmosphere, which obviously Matty Pollock did as well. We'll come on to his performance um, in particular a little bit later on. But as always, Calm, we look at the team news um, for the team that started. Jay Gorter made his Aberdeen debut in place of Joe Lewis and Liam Scales returned to the starting 11, replacing the suspended Ross McCorey. Of course, Ross had his appeal against his red card against St Mirren um, turned down, meaning he is now also suspended for the trip to Celtic Park. More on that in next week's episode when we look at our defensive cover going into that game. Um, Just those two changes, probably the two that we expected, um, Callum, but... One takeaway from that starting lineup was that only three of the starting 11 from this weekend's game are contracted to the club um, going into next season. And of course, uh, we're recording this on Monday night. News broke this afternoon that Hayden Colson has agreed a new deal with Middlesbrough, um, maybe putting pay to any hopes that we have of securing his services next season. Yeah, I mean, congratulations to him. Yeah. And, uh... Although, you know, at times he's looked pretty good. Uh, at times, m- probably more often when he's in that wing-back role rather than straight-up left-back. Uh, however, you know, it, it, uh, due to the inconsistency perhaps at times, um, not 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 too fussed about it. I think regardless, we would have been looking in, uh, to improve in that area all across the back four, all across the whole park, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, congratulations to him. Hopefully he does get his chance and maybe under Michael Carrick uh, he can he can stake claim to a starting spot at Middlesbrough get them higher up the league, I suppose. But um, in terms of Aberdeen, uh, obviously we probably expected Liam Scales to come in. Delighted that uh, Super J was able to able to play because uh, Joe Lewis has been testing uh, mine and many others' patience, uh, I think, lately. And... Uh, you know, he didn't he didn't end up having too much to do, but he was a good shit house. And yeah. uh I was just I was just quite happy with it. And you know, we'll, we'll come to the bench, I suppose, uh now, shall we, Glenn? Yeah, um, but you know, I, I agree um on Jay there. Didn't have much to do, so we can't really read too much into his ability, I guess, because Motherwell were that bad that they didn't really test him and probably feel a bit sorry that he hasn't come away from the game with a with a clean sheet but more on that later as you said we'll look at the bench where um, Shaden Morris continues his exile from the match day squad but also another omission this week was actually Connor Barron mm-hmm. um, I'm not sure if there was any any word on on a reason why he was omitted but returns to the match day squad for Jaden Richardson and Dante Polvara of course Robson coming out um, pre-match um, saying those players, including Shaden, were going to be afforded a chance in this Aberdeen side. Uh, neither Jaden or Dante got minutes this weekend, but uh, at least they were back involved. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I suppose it is only right that they do get a clean slate under the new manager. Uh, I was quite happy that Jaden Richardson was on the bench, given you know the events that occurred on Wednesday. I felt we could have done with him then. I said that at the time, but he's back. He's involved. Uh, he was in the gym, according to his Instagram as well. So that can only be a good thing, I think. But I was particularly shocked by the Baron and also Mislovic uh, exclusions yeah. from mm-hmm. this from the squad as well. Not certain uh, as to why that was the case, and also you probably would have fancied both of them to come off the bench uh, with the way events transpired. Uh, on Saturday as well, you know, perhaps 
could be could place Clarkson or one of the other centre midfielders. But interesting, and I suppose we'll see what happens uh, with those two in particular. But in terms of Paul Vara, seeing him involved was quite the shock. Uh, good to see him on the bench. Will he get a chance to now and then this season? Probably not, but you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Barry might shock us at some point. Yeah, well, of course, um, he also um, maybe shocked Alfie Pavage himself um, by uh, affording the youngster his Aberdeen debut uh, in the closing stages of the match as well. So congratulations to Alfie on making your Aberdeen debut. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like you said, there may be chances afforded to players if they knuckle down and, and work hard, even if it is uh, minutes in the in the closing stages of the game but it's better than nothing I'm sure Alfie Bavage won't complain at being able to make his debut already Nope and a little appearance fee as well I'm sure that won't go amiss Yeah, yeah absolutely but the first half itself Callum a really cagey affair nervy both sides struggled certainly in the opening stages and I think mm-hmm. it was really you know showed both these teams were going into the game out of form and were desperate not to lose the game i think so uh, i think we did grow into the game but i think courage kg is definitely a good word to describe it uh, for the opening exchanges um barry obviously came out post match and and said that he wasn't happy with sort of the, the way we were using the ball uh, often just sort of basically punting it down the line and then i think there was just at least three or four occasions uh, before we sort of tried to tweak things and calm things down, that the ball just went straight out for a goal kick. So I'm glad that was uh, that was tweaked, but it definitely looked like we were a little bit worried as we sort of tried to suss each other out. Um, and you know, given we were probably, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume teams on the worst form in the league, certainly Motherwell. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure if we were quite at that stage yet, but uh, it, knocking it was, on the door. Yeah, it was telling to to, uh, to start off with certainly. But uh, that's why I got to praise um, Barry Robson and Steve Agnew for, because as you said, and, and Barry rightly alluded to in his post-match press conferences, that I think Motherwell surprised us in the way that they set up and our tactics of long balls over the top was just not working. But, you know, unlike Jim Goodwin at times this season, we were quick to think of plan B and change our style. Um, and I thought our use of the ball um, at stages in that first half was a lot better, well, miles better than what it was on Wednesday night. Um, we looked more assured in possession and we were quick in recycling the ball and getting it out to the wide areas and driving at those Motherwell fullbacks. Um, and once we started doing that, we we started getting a lot of success. So it was really encouraging to see a change of game plan and, and maybe game management and man management um, a lot improved from what we've seen in recent weeks. Um, you know, especially when you look at the performance of Leighton Clarkson was one that Barry Robson highlighted as well, kind of being that linchpin in our midfield and getting the balls into that wide area. So, um, you know, early stages, but but positive signs um, that he has that awareness about him. Absolutely. And in, in terms of Leighton Clarkson, for me, probably the best player on the park that we can, can control that. I mean, there's obviously uh, a few other contenders, um, you know, not only the goal scorers, but Matty Pollock at the back as well. But the way Clarkson controlled things uh, sort of made things happen for us. And also some of the pressing, particularly him and Ramadani, uh, did mm-hmm. leading it from, from midfield uh, and starting that. And you, you saw them often going straight at the goalkeeper, going as far as that. I was very impressed with that. I just thought there seemed to be a bit more about us. The energy certainly seemed to be uh, to be on the up. 
like not giving a lot of players uh, a lot of time on the ball, making sure yeah. you're right in their faces, even if you're not going to win the ball, putting them under pressure, pressure forcing them to turn back perhaps uh, and start again. That I was particularly impressed with. And it probably is the type of thing you'd expect from a Barry Robson side, given the way he played. But you would have expected it under Jim Goodwin as well. And I don't think we got that nearly enough. So it's good to see that perhaps Barry has uh, given them the boot up the arse or maybe the elbow up the arse, perhaps. Yeah, or you could also argue that the players are more buying into his methodology rather than um, his predecessor. But, you know, at times it was a, a first half to forget. And I just wonder how much of that first half Johnny Hayes has forgotten because um, he took a fair clattering in, in that first half. And I'm sure um, had Duke not scored from the cross that, that Johnny Hayes collapsed after, and there would maybe be a lot more question marks um around the decision to allow Johnny Hayes mm. to carry on. Um, I know obviously he put a post up on his Instagram thanking the, the medical staff, the staff at ARI, obviously he must have gone to, to hospital at some point on Saturday to, to get himself checked over. But quite a worrying scene when you saw him down in, in that manner. Um, to be honest, I was very surprised to see him carry on. Yeah. Um, but as you said to me on uh, Saturday night, probably more impressive the cross because you was probably seeing double of everybody in the box. Yeah, yeah it, it more players to aim at, at least. So, so thankfully he picked one of them that was actually there. Um, first of all, I mean, I'll mention it. It was a great ball into the box and sometimes that Johnny Hayes has lacked that of late. So uh, credit to him for that. Uh, although it is a bit of a concern that he did carry on. However... If there was anyone who's going to get concussed and play on, it was always probably going to be Johnny Hayes. I'm just glad that he did eventually go off and thankfully it wasn't too long after um, yeah. the initial injury. Um, and good to hear he's okay as well. Because, you know, I've been a bit critical perhaps Johnny Hayes uh, in recent times, but he showed that fighting spirit and quality as well, uh, even if he shouldn't have shown the fighting spirit and should have just gone off. Mm-hmm. But we got the opener in a time where I think we absolutely needed it and delighted Duke's back on the goal trail as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a right time. But before we speak about that, there was another incident in the first half as well um, where Sean Goss um, clashed, I think, was it with Yilba Ramadani? Yeah. Um, What what did you make of that? Um, Because I think he got booked for that incident, but a lot of people drawing similarities to that and Ross McCrory's red card. But Mm. to be honest, I... I think the decision to book him was right. I think maybe we're just over the top with what happened to Ross McCrory, but you can't compare the two incidents together. Um, Because again, if you look at the Ross McCrory incident in isolation and slow it down, there is that obvious movement of the elbow to Charles Dunn's face where, you know, we made the argument about how are players supposed to jump for the ball? How are players supposed to get past? Sean Goss is jumping for the ball. I think it's just one of those incidences for me. I think a red card in that situation would have been extremely harsh. I mean, although if it had been shown, I wouldn't have been complaining. Um, but I just think that, you know, we're verging on being a bit too paranoid um, about decisions levelling themselves up. I just think there needs to be consistency one way or the other. And for me, both bookings probably. Uh, however, to give one for a red card and one a yellow card, and then also uh, in the Livingston, Joel Newbley connected with an elbow, yellow card. 
Mm. I mean, to be fair, we are the only ones to come out with a red card. However, um, I just wish there was consistency one way or or, or the other. However, asking for that from uh, SFA officials, uh, barking up the wrong tree on, yeah. on, on, on that front. Probably not a red card, but at the time I was going... McCrory was a red game off. Uh, however, you know, probably the right decision ultimately, and thankfully it didn't cost us as well because we still uh, pumped them, so it was fine. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And as you said, um, Duke back on the goal trail as well, heading home the opener from that Johnny Hayes cross. Big fan of teams leaving Duke unmarked in the box. It's like teams never learn how good his aerial presence actually is. I know it seems silly. I think they highlight that on sports scene as well. Because uh, he isn't tall, I'm sure, boys. Definitely not over six foot. I'm not sure how, how far underneath it is, but he uh, also to leave him spirit in that position as well, where you know he's got that striker's instant instinct, absolutely, and it's an easy header, absolutely. But he got got me in the right position, and he was unmarked, which seems stupid, and it's happened a few times. In fact, second header he scored against Motherwell this season. Uh, mm. I was always I was focusing on the the second chip for Boyamiovsky this season against Motherwell. However, I didn't realise, yeah, second header Duke scored against them. So uh, you thought they would have learned after the first not to give him that sort of time and space in the middle there. Yeah, good of you to come in with the, the stats as well. Um, but I think you're also right about the timing as well because you'd have probably had that kind of uneasy feeling around Pataudry had we been going in at nil-nil at half-time. Not down to the fact that we hadn't been playing well, but more of a case of, oh, you know, we're still not winning. We need, to, as you said about playing Celtic uh, a week on Saturday, we almost need that three points to to help create a bit of momentum, help create a bit of feel-good factor going into that game. And I think that goal just helped ease a lot of nerves and, and release a lot of tension mm. um, around the ground. And a bit like what happens when teams score against us, I, I I didn't really feel threatened by Motherwell that they were going to score two to at least win the game, um, and and so it and so it proved. So yeah, timing was crucial. I think for fans and players alike. Absolutely, uh, and I think it just makes all the difference mentally because even though had we gone at nil nil, we've been playing well. The players would have sort of been feeling that that too, and there would have been the nervous energy from the fans. And you know, had it gone another 10, 15 minutes in the second half, things maybe would have started to turn a little bit. So it gives them the boost. And in terms of Motherwell, their heads going down, they're thinking, oh, fucking hell, here we go again. And thankfully that was the case. Um, so it was vital to get to get in a in a head uh, at half time. It just made it just, yeah, as you say, just ease the ease the nerves, ease the tension a little bit. And uh, thankfully we actually went on and built on it as well. Yeah, we did, because despite Motherwell ringing the changes at the start of the second half, of course, a few eagle-eyed um, of you spotted the fact that Motherwell made six changes um, at the weekend. Of course, they were afforded an extra substitution due to um, the substitution we used for Johnny Hayes being a concussion substitute. So they were allowed six subs. Um, but despite the four changes I think they made um, within three minutes, um, we managed to put ourselves two in front, Boyan Miovsky getting his 15th goal of the season and his first league goal from open play for a very long time. Um, really important for his own personal confidence as well as the fans' confidence in giving us that breathing room, as I said. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, of course, he scored that penalty uh, against Mirren 
uh, obviously scored uh, from open play against uh, Rangers at Ibrox as well. However, it, I think it is important for him to get back in in amongst the goals uh, from open play, certainly. And it just, I think his finish just showed how classy he really can be on his day. Uh, in fact, both finishes for, uh, for the goals certainly uh, showed that as well. But it wasn't only that. Uh, I thought his movement, his pressing at times certainly looked a lot better. Uh, as well, looked like an improvement. Just that general effort and application from him uh, was certainly improvement, and certainly deserved the goals too. And uh, and so enjoyed Ramadani as well. I mean, they brought on Slattery not long before. Uh, instant impact, losing the ball to Ramadani and uh, Stephen O'Donnell with some questionable decision, uh, defending. Uh, started moving one way, couldn't get his toe out to uh, sort the ball going through to Miofsky in a fantastic finish, it has to be said. But uh, I was also really enjoying the video they put out of that goal, uh, Aberdeen on Twitter, where you see Ramadani uh, yelling at the Dick Donald. I really, really enjoyed that. Uh, and I know it was an all-round good goal, but it only got better later on. Yeah, um, I'm really glad you put in the fact that he scored against Mirren, not like we've just had to cut out about two minutes of content because I conveniently forgot mm. all about that goal. And this is why we don't get on Sky Sports News and yeah. we just stick to doing YouTube videos instead. But um, you're right about Ramadani as well, because I think he was a player that really grew into the game um, on Saturday, a player who's come in for a lot of criticism in recent weeks, You know, didn't cover himself in glory in the Darvel game in particular. Um, and was suspect at times throughout that that bad run of form. But yeah, you're right, that passion he showed in that clip um, that the, the club Twitter account put out for the second goal, but even at the first goal as well, he, he just loves it. Like he gets the passion from the fans, but which is maybe why a few of us get frustrated when mm. his performance levels dip. Um, you know, I, I know a few folk have said he's maybe been posted missing or he's slightly overrated. Um, of course, everyone entitled to their own opinion, but I think we just saw, you know, a bit more of what he can offer this team and that link up that obviously he does have with Boyan. Of course, you know, the fact that the two played together previously, carrying into this season as well. And yeah, quite ironic that Stephen O'Donnell, who did such a great job of pocketing Jack Grealish, could, couldn't cope with Boyan and Duke this weekend. I mean, you know, Boyan retired Christoph Bera earlier. Uh, earlier in this season he's now you know get, getting the better of such an experienced and quality international as Stephen O'Donnell but uh, it, it was a fantastic finish ultimately second time he's chipped uh, Liam Kelly this season third time he's tried it I think yeah, uh, as well Liam Kelly must be sick of the sight of him by this point yeah absolutely um, that was the first stat you were hoping to get in but you've quite remembered about the Duke header so well done on that slipping that in and slipping in Bojan Miofsky it was exactly what Leighton Clarkson did there you go with an absolutely filthy pass just like that link was there leading up to this segment and Leighton Clarkson as you said deployed as a number six uh, in this game probably also helping Ramadani's performance as well but I mean Leighton Clarkson we've Wax lyrical over some of the goals he scored, but that that assist, but equally the run and finish from Boyan is brilliant. But if you're a Motherwell fan, you'll be pulling your hair out um, at, at that defending. But thankfully, we're not. So we'll discuss the pass and finish instead. It was beautiful, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely helped by like Stephen McGinn being two or three yards ahead of the other two centre backs for 
literally no reason, and then having the cheek to complain at the other centre-backs. Mm. Um, however, I think the fact, I mean, I was thought of maybe going to be offside, uh, and that's having a good view from the south stand mm-hmm. uh, as well, and the fact Motherwell players were claiming for it as well. I think that also highlights how good that movement was from Yamiowski yeah. and just the deft little touch past past Liam Kelly, just the technique shown, just I'll, not not too much on it, just enough direction in off the post made it look even better. Um, and I think this is the type of performances you want to see from Boyamiowski every single week. And you know he had a good spell of a decent yeah. run earlier in the season. We can get back to that now. Uh, having scored three in the last two games, Glenn, that's three in the last two games uh, of sort of a different variety uh, of the goals as well. Then, um, you know, that could really help us in starting to push up and look up that lead table rather than down, which we certainly would have been doing had we not uh, uh, won. But, you know, and a special ball from Leighton Clarkson as well. If we can see that more often too, uh, then I'd be delighted. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you highlight there, the the types of goal that Boyan scored, especially in this game, given that his previous goals have been penalties, as you kindly reminded me, um, it just shows, I think in recent weeks as well, for me, he's been putting in a lot more effort off the ball than what he was maybe doing at the start of the year, um, where I was certainly kind of questioning some of his work ethic uh, and what he was offering, but there seems to be a much more intensity to his play in terms of trying to chase down um, the ball when he's out of possession. Um, so, yeah, no, all, all positive signs. I mean, he was probably going to have a frustrating week uh, or 90 minutes next time out, but mm. uh, I'm sure he'll take confidence from that if he has afforded any sight of goal. Uh, yeah, I'd certainly hope so. And I think Duke sort of being up there alongside him uh, as well kind of helped things. Sort of maybe gave... Uh, a dodgy Motherwell defence featuring two fullbacks. Uh, something, something a bit more to think about. But Barry Robson mentioned it post match as well. The sort of uh, direct runs he was making, looking, looking to get in behind, exploit the gaps. Uh, certainly seemed to improve, and Barry thought so. So, uh, not just us as well. Uh, a little bit more of a credible source, perhaps. But you can just hope that it's going to be more of the same. And obviously, yeah, it's going to be difficult uh, next time out. But in the lead up to the split, we need him and Duke firing and, uh, you know, and just hope that players like Leighton Clarkson can provide the service like that. Uh, And you'd hope so with Leighton Clarkson, especially because clearly there's a reason he's on the books at Liverpool. Uh, Technically, can be very good. Maybe we've not seen it. Uh, as as much lately, however, again, probably not down to him in particular, no. uh, or or, or um, alone anyway. So if if he can, you know, play some absolutely filthy passes like that uh, between now and, and the split, then hopefully we'll be in a good spot and have the right men in there to finish them off. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know what was worse uh, at times at the weekend: Motherwell's defending or that kit that they were wearing. GZ peeps, man, it was awful. Uh, when they came out, uh, my dad said to me, uh, you're going to have to speak up because I can't hear you over how loud that kit is, which good jibe as it is, uh, even more funnier when you consider he has two hearing aids. So uh, just sort of added to it. There was layers to the joke and I enjoyed it from Neil. So uh, mm-hmm. fair play, uh, not fair play to Motherwell. That is disgusting. And it sort of reminded me of the, remember the Mingan Celtic hoop, yeah. black and yellow hooped ones. Awful. If your kit's luminous, bin it. It's awful. Don't do it. 
And Rob Wicks is suddenly scrapping his plans for a luminous third dawn's kit for next season. I mean, a luminous pink one, that would be extravagant and interesting, but certainly a luminous yellow, bogging, absolutely bogging. Yeah, no. Um, I suppose if you want to be critical, um, it's just disappointing that we're not sitting here speaking about a clean sheet that I think the defence richly deserved. Unfortunately, once again, VAR getting involved um, with a decision at the weekend to award Motherwell a penalty. Not that I'm complaining, um, given the fact that I had Van Veen to score and Mike Pollock to be booked. Um, so a very profitable decision. I have to say, though, at the time, sitting in the red shed, I didn't think it was a penalty at all. I thought it came off his kind of collarbone sort of area. Um, however, looking at one of the replays, I think, that's shown from the South Stand RDS camera, I think it's fair to say Matty Kennedy's arm is very much in an unnatural position. But your it, thoughts, Cal? It is in an unnatural position. And having seen it in real time from the South Stand, I was like, Jesus Christ, what is he doing? Because it is all the way out here, basically. However, having seen the replays in the VR, it does very much look like it's actually his shoulder rather than his arm, which, mm. you know, naturally when you see someone's arm like that, you, and you probably think, oh God, he's in trouble here. But I actually think it's good defending, had it not been for the fact they got a penalty. Because for me, it's not hit his arm, it's hit his shoulder. Uh, and I think he indicated that at the time. I think possibly I saw someone saying Kevin Clancy maybe did as well. I didn't notice that personally. But then they go to the VAR monitor uh, and, of course, overturn things when it's not clear and obvious that it's his, his arm. I don't know. It, but then, yeah, now that you say that, that does actually remind me because I think Clancy does award the corner and he says, you know, like he, he taps his shoulder and indicating that's why he's given the corner, whether or not he's doing that to kind of cover his own back to allow VAR to make the decision. But as you say about clear and obvious, I never really thought of that until you say now, if he thinks it's hit his shoulder, how is it taking him? Because that, that decision took a long time yeah. for him to even go over to the monitor. And it wasn't like he had a quick look at the monitor and went, oh yeah, sorry, I'm wrong. That's a penalty. He was at the monitor for a good minute, minute and a half, maybe even verging on two. Um, you know, so he must have looked at multiple angles. And yeah, if if he was confident in awarding a corner the first time, there's definitely something he's seen to, to change his decision. But I think the point you make there about it being clear and obvious is is a very valid one. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, the fact it was given it as a corner originally, and to me. Having seen what I've seen, it looks like it's still his shoulder. I'm still not certain. Maybe it does hit his arm, but to me, it looks like shoulder. The fact he's gone over in there after originally giving it as his shoulder, and for everyone else, it looks like it could still be his shoulder, to then yeah. change it maybe suggests that it's the fact he's been asked to go over and he's thinking, oh, God, I've got, got to go over. I better change it then. Clearly, I've made a mistake. And, yeah. and maybe he's not backed himself, which I wouldn't be surprised uh, given, you know, Many a performance I've seen from him before, uh, and nothing changed after Saturday. Uh, yeah. Terrible referees in Scotland. What? Well, nothing new there. No, exactly. But a big fan of the shithousery that we seem to implement on the back of that. Of course, Matt Pollock squaring up to somebody. Uh, I'm not sure who, which obviously resulted in him getting a book- booking. Duke seemed to be trying to do his best to scuff the penalty spot. Um, lot of shithousery uh, in play but I felt a bit sorry for Jake Orr of course as we mentioned not really 
tested yet doesn't keep a clean sheet due to due to the penalty. Um, but when you've got a bet of Duke, um, Majowski, Van Veen to score and Pollock to be carded, I wasn't complaining. Um, but what I was a big fan of um, when it came to, to Jay Goro was how invested he seemed to be mm. already because he was given an absolute lulldy um, when Miofsky scored the second. Uh, a few people have likened his celebration to Joe Hart celebrating Aguero's winner against QPR. And even when the stand-up for the Aberdeen chant was getting sung in the second half, you know, he was have his hands like trying to encourage as many people to to stand up as well. So seems to be loving life at Aberdeen already at this early stage. Absolutely. I mean, we've been able to tell absolutely nothing about his goalkeeping ability after that game uh, because I I don't that was their only shot on target. I'm pretty sure was the penalty, and you know it's a it's a lottery at that point. He clearly doesn't know much about Kevin Van Veen, so he he probably can't uh, you know base anything off any research. Had to guess went the wrong way. Yeah. Other than that, had nothing to do. Uh, but the, the points you mentioned there, absolutely loved it. Seems like a bit a bit of a head case, and people always say you've got to be mental to be a goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah, seems to be the case, and I quite like him for it. If I know, I go far say I love him. Uh, however, that might change if he decides to chuck one into his net at Celtic Park. We'll soon yeah. see. But well, it wasn't just that as well. The rolling of the ball to waste time with about 12 minutes to go, forcing the Motherwell player to come close him down. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that. One thing was a concern was in the first half, uh, Shinny ended up putting out for a throw-in and yeah. could have definitely came out and get it, got it, but it's probably trying to understand Graham Shinney uh, and also, I don't know, communication, understanding. I'm sure that'll get better between now and the end of the season and we'll see. We'll see what he's really made of. Yeah, I, re- I remember that incident. Now you mention it. I think, like you said, just a, a little bit of lack of communication, but at least, you know, Shinney showed that leadership and just hoofed it into Rosette instead of just went, left it for, for Gore to go, go and get in the Motherwell um, striker, you know, sneaks in and maybe puts it in the back of the net. So good to see the, the players actually taking ownership if someone else isn't doing as, as expected. But um, obviously we haven't seen much from Jay Gore, but we've seen two um, appearances for both Angus McDonald and Matty Pollock. And Pollock looks like a right catch, I think it's fair to say. That was good. I'm waiting for more later on. We'll see how you go. Um, yeah, that's absolutely. He does look like a right catch. I'm not going to try and force any uh, to get him, mainly because I can't think of any. Uh, oh, I'm glad we signed for him. Uh, glad he signed for Aberdeen. Looks like he's in the right place. <laughs> yeah, well, alongside Liam Scales, as I said, our defence could have been a bit fishy, but it's looking a lot more solid. And it's fair to say he's got a leap like a salmon on him as well, because... Um, he was very unlucky not to score in the first half. I think there was one cleared off the line by a Motherwell knee, and he also put one just past the far post. But then, of course, in the second half, he does have a goal um, ruled out, and some say he might still be celebrating up alongside the south stand as well. It took him a long time to realise that goal was disallowed. But a really assured um, performance that we're picking the bones out of. Oh, that was very good. God, I wish that goal stood. Eh? Eh? Anyone? Eh? Eh? We're tuning off rapidly. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. Please like and subscribe. Um, Lead is turning, some may say. Oh, stop it. Right, we need to stop this. He he played well, and I thought he played quite well against Minnan. Um, He's probably more noticeable 
in in what he does, given he's just fucking huge than than Angus McDonald. But Angus McDonald, I thought, also did pretty well uh, again, and yes, that'll only get better the more they play together. Uh, however, obviously things will change going into the Celtic game with the defence. But impressed, I'm very very impressed. I don't know how that goal's not stood because uh, they are both at it, and I just feel really sorry for him because he was absolutely loving it, going mental. And then after it was disallowed, you know, I thought maybe he's still celebrating because he thinks it's going to stand. Uh, nope, didn't stand. Don't I have, have a clue why that or what why the check was so quick? If there is one, or maybe Clancy blew the whistle before it hit the back of the net. I don't know. And um, but it was made even worse by the fact Matty Kennedy took the piss out of him uh, afterwards. When once once he once he eventually got back alongside him, uh, Matty, Matty Kennedy was like yeah, having a go at him, basically ripping the piss out of him. Uh, which is a shame because I'd love to, to have scored and I can't wait to see him score uh, a goal that actually is going to stand because he will go uh, mental once again and hopefully it's next week, but uh, can't see that happening. Yeah, no, that would be... Oh, uh, definitely not next week because there's no fucking game next week. Never mind. No, well, I knew what you meant a week on Saturday, but I've got one more. It's good to see that despite casting our net far and wide in the transfer market, we come up good um still staying relatively close to home in the UK as well but um I think you're right he stands out in that defense not only with the fact he wears his bright yellow boots as well but what I've also um liked from what what we've seen of him is that he's played in two different positions mm. um a center back and then a right back whether or not right back's a more natural position for him or not but he's looked comfortable in both those positions um I think you're absolutely right. He's going to be a lot more tested um, when we take the trip to Parkhead in a few weeks' time, uh, as will Angus McDonald as well, who's looked really assured. And I think both their communication, um, one thing that I noticed from McDonald in particular was the way he was kind of ushering the defence out and he was always you know, checking his shoulder, checking around him where his teammates are. There seems to be a better communication, a better understanding and I feel a lot more confident mm-hmm. in this defence already than what we previously had. I mean, I'm sure there will be boo-boos. I'm sure there absolutely, absolutely. will be to come. However, uh, so far, so good. And I am impressed. Uh, and I'm sure Andrew Donald's probably um, playing with a point to prove as well. He's come up here, uh, leaving England, I think, for the first time uh, in terms of his playing career, obviously. And getting a six-month deal here, he'll be presumably desperate to make it work and get that extended. Uh, so if you can put that into performances, then I'm absolutely all for it. But he does, he, he certainly seems the quieter, quieter of the two. Um, I just think because, you know, when when Pollock's going in and winning those headers, he is absolutely battering into people. And I just think McDonald goes, goes about his business a little bit more quietly. Um, but assured, I would describe him as. Yeah, exactly. And and you say you're you're loving Jay Gorter. Um I saw your your tweet from your own account about falling in love with lone players um in regards to Matty Pollock and his comments um in the article that Robbie Hanratty did uh, in the Daily Record about the the atmosphere and the, the fans and the backing that the fans gave the, the team on Saturday as well. It's a it's a dangerous game and you just need to look at um the starting eleven and how many players we do have on loan this season and it's a dangerous game falling in love with loan players yeah it's a slippery slope uh however not one you can ever do much about and if 
Pollock carries on like this and he maybe does grab a goal or two between the end of the season and goes as mental uh, as he as he did for the one that was disallowed against Motherwell then uh, we could be in trouble but uh, he's seeing, seeing field a lot feels loved here so you never know he might he might be here next season who knows uh, but there's a long way to go a lot of stuff to work out between between now and then I think yeah he could be the big fish in the small pond of Aberdeen <laughs> <laughs> fuck off Glenn now, moving quickly on then, one swallow doesn't make a summer at Callum. Yes, it was a vital, much-needed three points, but with Celtic next, it was really the bare minimum that we needed from this weekend, but crucial to get that bit of confidence, bit of momentum, and maybe for Barry Robson and Steve Agnew, buys them that bit of time um, in terms of winning that game um, between now and appointing a new manager. Yeah, I think so. I think it does exactly that. Um, because, you know, had we suffered two defeats in a row, uh, and especially one of them to be uh, to Motherwell, then panic stations and looking down the bottom league, worrying about potentially slipping further down and maybe getting relegated, who knows. The, the, eases have, uh, the, the, the worries have been eased, thankfully. And uh, I've been impressed so far by Robson. I don't think him on a permanent would be the best option yet. He's still very young, so a lot to learn. However, I'm happy for him to sort of see things out a little bit longer to make sure we do that, do get that next appointment correct. And I, I've seen a few people saying on social media that they'd like him to be involved in the first team, uh, even under the new management. Mm. I would absolutely be all for that. And I think him being there also kind of, you know, me bridges bridges the cap gap between, for example, if it is a foreign manager, especially coming in, or even if it was, for example, Chris Wilder, he mm-hmm. knows what it's about. He's clearly quite a good coach, and uh, I think that that would just certainly help things and also be beneficial for him because, but the way things are going, and he just is a likable guy. It would be nice for him to be manager one day. I just think the experience of him being involved in the first team, making that step up as well, could could help. Uh, but I mean, we will see, and we'll see what Dave's got up his sleeve. Because it honestly could be anything at this point. Uh, Jesse March, perhaps. Yeah, well, there is that American connection, I suppose. But uh, interesting to see what develops between now and the the game against Celtic. If the this the search for a manager kind of steps up with us not having a game, or. Um, they allow Barry Robson and Steve Agnew to really get to work with this squad to come up with a game plan to try and take points off Celtic. Of course, Celtic um, unbeaten at home in over two years. So a, a real tough task for whoever's uh, in the dugout for that game. But we will have um, a full preview of that game on next week's show. There's no point in, in delving into that just now, um, especially with Celtic in Scottish Cup action this weekend. And we've given ourselves some extra days on the training ground, but no need to go back on that. But one one thing I suppose Calm will quickly look at is that um, the gap um, between us and Livingston and fourth, obviously, Livingston occupying the last European space, is it just three points separate four teams, albeit the Lions do have that game in hand as well. But that run between now and the um, split, obviously, eight games to go. Four of those games are at home, um, including games against Hearts and Rangers and mm-hmm. um, so potentially tough home games and um, and then away games are both Dundee United and Ross County of course who are scrapping for survival but we actually play the bottom three 
in those eight games, well, the current bottom three. So there is potential there for this team to, to pick up points and get us into that top six um, before the split. And that, I guess with that win at the weekend, that has to be first and foremost, the aim for Robson and Agnew is to get us into the top six and then build on that. Would you think that's what they'd be looking at just now? Obviously, with us sitting seventh just now. I think so. I mean, you know, getting into the top six even before the split uh, gets the end is probably number one priority because they do want to chase the chase European football. I think so long as we are in there, uh, come come the split, then you know anything's possible after that. But we do need to make the most of the games we have against teams currently in the bottom six. I think it's. Well, you know, it's not ideal that we've got to play Rangers and Hearts. However, the fact that it's at Pataudry, uh will will help things, certainly. I, 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 I think it gives us a better chance, given, you know, how we've performed up here uh, against Rangers compared to Ibrox and likewise Hearts mm-hmm. here compared to uh, at Tynecastle. So, uh, I don't know if confident is the word I would use, but optimistic. And I think, you know, the game against Celtic, Avoiding an absolute pasting would be a start. Uh, and from then on, we'll see. And, you know, we might learn a, a thing or two about this team now and about Barry Robson, Steve Agnew uh, as well. But who knows what's going to happen? I'm going to try not to think about it until the time comes before we sit, uh, sit down and record because I don't want to uh, ruin my good mood and my good high spirits that I'm currently in after that win. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the last game before the split is that home game against Rangers um, and and just looking at the fixtures going into that that weekend in particular St Johnson host Hibs Dungeon United play Livingston um, though, and St Mirren at, at home to Kilmarnock of course Kilmarnock with that terrible away record and um, St Mirren with that impressive home record themselves so lots of points to play for of course between now and then but um, certainly bubbling away um, nicely in that little glob that we've got in the race for fourth I suppose um, but of course, as Calm says, we won't go too much into that because we don't want to ruin the good mood. We want to revel in um, that much needed three points from the weekend. Um, so thank you very much to everyone that has tuned in, whether it be on video or audio this week. Of course, if you are tuning in over on the YouTube channel, remember to leave that like, comment below with your thoughts and hit the subscribe button if you are new to the channel. And hit that subscribe button if you are new on audio or have not done so already. Remember, of course, we have the Player of the Year competition um, running until Friday um, before Celtic. £20 uh, entry. Email podcast at gmail.com for further information. Until next time, though, Callum, it's been a pleasure. It has been a pleasure. But if you want to see me manage Aberdeen on Football Manager, potentially... Head over to my Twitch. Keep an eye on my Twitter at Calm Right Two because I'll be posting about it there and seeing if I can do a better job than Jim Goodwin. No promises, but thanks for tuning in. Get your CV put in. Exactly, might need to. I mean, if Yogi Hughes is fucking done it, then maybe I could. No.